Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Owed Podcast. Hope you're all having a great week. As always, we have another awesome episode in store for you this time. Uh, before we get to it though, I want to thank our sponsors. Our main sponsor, of course, is Modus Nation. They have some awesome clothes, uh, awesome people. I say it every time, I know you're probably sick of me saying it, but I'm going to keep saying it because they deserve it. They definitely deserve your support. Uh, ben and Lindsay are doing awesome things, uh, making some great products, supporting the community, supporting the veteran community, good people, good company. Go to ModusNation.com. Can't say enough of it. Can't say it often enough. So please check them out, support them. And because they are our season two sponsor, of course, they were gracious enough to give us a coupon code. And that is nothing owed. And that'll get you a discount at the ModusNation.com store. So please check them out. And also, we can't forget about our other supporters of the show. Uh, as always, Winfield Watch has been a, a longtime supporter of the show and what we're doing here. So please check out WinfieldWatch.com. Father's Day is a couple days away, so you might be a, a little bit uh, behind the curve for that one, but please uh, check them out. I'm sure your dad won't mind if he gets an awesome watch a couple days uh, after Father's Day. So please uh, give them give Winfield Watch a shot. I know you won't be disappointed. Uh, I've been a longtime customer of them. They make some awesome stuff. So please, uh, Winfield Watch. And then uh, one of our, our newer supporters of the show is uh, Grind Ops Coffee. Um, Aaron is doing an awesome job over there. He's, uh, as you heard from the show, hopefully, he is currently a federal law enforcement officer, but he most likely will be uh, retiring pretty soon. But uh, law enforcement officer, K-9 handler, supporter of everything American, and supporter of law enforcement and military. So please, please check him out. Um, he makes awesome coffee. Love what he's doing. Uh, great coffee. And also, he's got some awesome swag, too. Stickers, t-shirts. They're all awesome. Please check him out and also check out his charity that he does, um, that he supports to um, help working dogs as they retire. So please uh, go to grindopscoffee.com and check him out. So uh, with that being said, hope you're all having a great week and hope you enjoy the show. I know uh, Ben and I certainly did. It was awesome talking to our guest. Uh, I won't give away too much because you got to listen to the show, but uh, I know you won't be disappointed in this one. So uh, enjoy. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to myself. All right. Enjoy, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Owed podcast. As always, you're here with Ben and Brian. And as always, we have another amazing guest. I'm not going to give away too much just yet, but uh, we're here with Michael Frazier of Noble Warrior. Um, he's an awesome dude. We've been able to chit-chat with him for a couple minutes um, just before we recorded. I know you're going to love this episode. Um, he's a guest that epitomizes, I think, everything that we're trying to do here on the show. Um, served in a lot of different roles. Um Great guest, great guy all around, so I'm really excited to talk to him. But before we do that, I want to say hi to Ben, check in with him, see what's new, and uh, get the scoop. So, Ben, how you doing? What's new? Uh, nothing new. Just uh, we uh, we got our security system put in. We're coming up this week uh, from the robbery. Oh, so, yeah. so the wife is chilling out a little bit. We've been dealing with that this week, but that's good. Uh, but uh, I am as usual excited about this this i i have a little man crush on mike so <laughs> i i follow mike uh i listen to his podcast so he's he's podcast extraordinaire motivational speaker um veteran army veteran uh you know he's a door kicker whatever, whatever. coast guard yeah. veteran uh you know he he, he's he's a rocket scientist he's trying to learn psychology uh he's he's putting people on the moon with tesla all these things uh, that was a bit of an exaggeration but uh a little bit, a little bit. 
He's an extraordinary uh, individual, um, and I think the most extraordinary thing about him is is that he is open to his struggles, which as a veteran, um, you know, it, it's it's nice to know that there's other people thinking like you, um, having the same feelings as you, and he's open about it, and he tries every day to turn that around and make a difference with our community. So above all of the other things he does, I think that is amazing. Um, you know, I, and before I forget, I have to ask, what is your best uh, Monday dad joke? Uh, my wife wants to know what your favorite Monday dad joke is. <laughs> I just got a new one, it's pretty good. Um, I'll tell you what, hold on, I'll tell you what my favorite one is. All right, all right, what do you it got? Was the, it was the, what is an Afghanistan Taco Bell? <laughs> That one was, I thought it was funny. I can't even remember the answer now, but it was like Alazabad something. I should have brought it up before I started talking about this. <laughs> I, I think I heard that one. I think I heard that one. Uh, I can't I can't remember it, but I, I did hear that one. You said it on your thing. Hold on, I'm going to find it. But what's your favorite one? Don't don't release one that you're going to release. Uh, uh, I, 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 got a, I got a new, I got a newer one that I was uh, telling the guys today. I didn't record it, but... Uh, it was pretty funny. I heard it and I was laughing. Um, it's a knock-knock joke, actually. Okay, all it's, right. It's changing it up. I, I, I like to change it up a little bit. You can't be stagnant. So knock-knock. Who's, Who's there? there? Europe. You're a poo. poo. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a poo. I'm not a poo. <laughs> Dude, that is, <sighs> that's a total dad joke. <laughs> Dude, I gotta find this one. You you did. It was about. I can't. I should have wrote this down. This is terrible recording. Uh, but oh, I think it, it was a carne asada bed. Yeah, that's what it was. Carne asada bed. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That is. I remember yeah. that. So for the listeners on uh, yeah. when you go after our show here, when you go follow Mike on his social media on Instagram, he does like Monday dad joke, and it's it's pretty. My wife giggles out loud every monday morning honestly it's it's so random it's not even mondays it's tuesdays oh. wednesdays thursdays it's just it's just whenever i feel like being ridiculous i just uh, I, I things got kind of serious at work for a while uh, like a year or so ago and all the weirdness started happening so i just tried to break the ice a little bit and make people laugh so that's that's my jam well, if you, cool. if you didn't know it was working, you know in the Woodbury home <laughs> it's working. Yeah, I can't even I can't even do serious stuff anymore. Like I made a TikTok like page with like videos and I do flight stuff and no one cares about any of the cool videos and graphics that I make. They just want to hear stupid dad jokes and I'm just like, all right, man, oh, okay. <laughs> Gotta lean into it, man. If it works for you, go for it. I just ruined the whole episode. I, I gave you this great introduction. You know, go follow Mike. He's jumping out of helicopters. He's a he's a door kicker. Oh, but he's a great dad joke teller. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, it's all good. It is what it is, man. <laughs> it's all good. So tell us where. Tell us. Go back in time and and start us. I know. You've had a couple different um, veteran careers. I believe the Coast Guard was first, but yeah. go back in time and tell us a little bit about your history. Uh, well, to start off properly, um, I guess with a lot of people in the world today, uh, really my story begins with my childhood. And I think everyone's um, at certain, certain points, um, their childhood actually personifies who that person is um, it magnifies how that person was and was raised um, in some way, shape, or form. 
a lot of people grow, a lot of people learn, but sometimes a lot of people are either traumatized or they're, you know, they're, they're leveled up by, you know, their family or loved ones or friends. Um, I didn't really have that. I, uh, my initial childhood growing up, uh, from birth, it was, it was pretty brutal. I grew up in chaos. Um, at the time I, my father was, he was, he was big into alcohol and he was a, he was an alcoholic and he beat my mother and me, uh, quite a bit. My mom got sick of it when I was five years old and they got divorced after a lot of crazy craziness. And, uh, so they split up and, uh, my dad decided that he didn't want my mom to have me. So he decided to just take me and that was it. He wrote my mom a letter saying that I was somewhere in the United States and I didn't see my mom for five years. Wow. He got remarried with this lady that was an alcoholic druggie. Um, she, she would beat me. I mean, I got stuffed in burlap sacks and put in closets for days on end. I had to drink bottles of palm olive dish soap. So I was like, you know, like puking and pooping up blood as a little kid. Um, how, how old were you when this happened? Uh, I was uh, between five and 10 years old. So uh, wow. when I was 10 years old, I got finally got to a point um, where it was just, I was a zombie as a kid. And uh, my dad actually walked in on her beating me and he told me to go to school and all the time when I got beaten as a kid I would always have to like hide it or try to play off like I fell down or something like that because I'd get beat again when I get home if I if someone was asking questions well uh I went back home and his wife was gone and the, my brother and sisters were gone and I told my dad I'm like I don't I don't want to do it anymore I don't want to be around because he would always leave and go back to her and it was chaos so I've changed. I've changed. Oh, as a kid going through school, I probably went through like two, two to three schools a year. So I never really got soaked. It was, it was kind of weird on top of everything else. So I told him I want to go away. I want to go live with someone else. And uh, he got a hold of my mom and I went to go live with my mom and my stepdad from when I was 10 to when I graduated. So I had a little bit of a normal childhood when I went to go live with my mom. Uh, with my stepdad, I started learning things I was taken care of. I had food. I didn't get beat. Um, you know, I, I seen how terrible life was, you know, getting beaten before. And then I got to see how amazing life is on the opposite spectrum. So I think that gave me a lot of perspective in life as I grew up, but it's still, I still didn't understand that until way later in life. And it didn't really affect me that much. Over time, I was able to develop a great relationship with my father. Um, I forgave him. And, uh, you know, before he passed away, uh, he passed away of cancer. Uh, I was able to, you know, have a good relationship with my dad. He was my dad. And how long did that take before you reached back out to him? And well, we, we, there was, there was like communication and there was talking in between, but there was just a lot of things in my life that, you know, during that process of like, there'd be like years of no communication, me being gone in the military. I was kind of, I didn't really talk to anybody in my family. I was always kind of the black sheep. When I turned 18, I joined the Coast Guard and I left. And um, I was just, just, I was just kind of out. I just wanted to see the world. I was comfortable on my own. That was kind of my jam. So I fit in perfectly. Um, so over time I would communicate with my dad, but we were never really close, but we started getting closer as I got older and I had a son and um, I kind of understood things a little bit differently. And I started changing perspectives, although I wasn't healed and I still had a lot of stuff to, to learn from and grow from. 
um, it wasn't until, you know, I really almost came to my end that I really started to, to understand what was going on in life and how that affected me. But luckily, before all that happened, I was able to, you know, reconcile with my father and have a good relationship with him. You know, uh, I think it was about five or six years ago he passed away. So um, it, it took, I'd say, you know, it probably took a good, you know, 15, 20 years for me to really have a good relationship with my dad. I mean, I, I talked to him, like I said, but, you know, that affected me. What do you think, if you don't mind me asking, what do you think gave you the, the strength to forgive him? Because, I mean, I think a lot of people, rightfully so, would write their father off after a, an experience like that. I mean, that, that's a pretty pretty powerful move to, to be able to forgive your dad. I mean, what, what triggered, what caused that? He, uh, when I would live with my mom, he eventually wound up moving back in Arizona. I was in Arizona. He wound up moving back to Arizona um, in a different city. I was able to see him and hang out with my brother and sisters once in a while, but that was, that was about it. So it was, I would see him and I would kind of talk with him and hang out with him as a kid until I was about a teenager. And then that I pretty much was just on my own. I just kind of, you know, let them stay on their own. And I, I kind of just did my own thing. But, uh, I, I think that, uh, that was, I don't know. It was a combination of, of a bunch of different things and, um, you know, just having the separation and, um, being away from him. It, uh, I don't know. I just, I just had my own thing after a period of time growing up, dealing with things. I think that, um, me being a dad, I probably changed, changed a lot of stuff. Me, me kind of just going through life and realizing he didn't, he didn't do the things that I would do, but he, I'm still alive. And honestly, you know, because I had a rough life, I understand things a lot differently. I'm a tougher dude because I endured all of that. Right. And it wasn't until like, I wanted to almost end my, I was to the point where I wanted to end my life that I really started realizing how much of a blessing that was to have all of that crappy stuff in my life. I mean, it's terrible. I wouldn't wish that on, on anybody on my worst enemy to have them go through that as a child. But it makes you appreciate the the beauty of life a lot more. It makes me appreciate understanding that people, when he was an alcoholic and he was doing all that stuff, he didn't have a good father. My grandpa was, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't the greatest. He, he was, he was an alcoholic. He did that same thing. So it's, it's, um, you know, it just, it's this repetitive cycle. And I want I, when I realized that I'm like, I'm breaking that. That's, that's not happening. That, that's not gonna, that's not gonna be my job. Right. I'm not going to have to endure that. My grandchildren, my grandchildren, if I have any other kids, they're not going to endure that. I broke that cycle. That, that's not going to happen. That's incredible. That's awesome to hear. Um, Sorry, you, I'm sorry that happened to you, but I mean, it's that's really. I, I think a lot of people are in that same position, so it's it's awesome to see that you've moved on, and I hope everyone else really takes that story to heart because it's it's hard. You know, it, honestly, it's it's really hard until you do um, you do some dark work within yourself, and um, it sounds weird, it sounds creepy, but you know, not running from your emotions, not putting emotions off, and just drinking and yeah. just covering it up you know, actually dealing with those raw emotions and figuring out what happened. Why did that happen? Yeah. You know, realizing that things weren't my fault. And I didn't know any of this stuff really, honestly, until I started talking with a doctor at the um, uh, VA in Southern Oregon, this amazing doctor, um, Dr. Megan Mack, super cool. She helped me through a lot. 
but she really just asked me questions and she just kind of like guided me to my own healing, which is really bizarre, but just the way that she um, responded to me and mm -hmm. asked the questions, she saw certain things and it really started making me reflect. I'm like, oh man, all right, you know, but I didn't, I wanted to change. I wanted to understand things. There are certain people out there that they're not at that point where they, they want to understand and know things. Um, so they keep going on this repetitive motion of they don't know why what's happening. They're just going to stay angry. They're going to stay mad. They're going to try to drink to cover it up. They're, you know, they don't know. They don't know that communication. They don't know enough people that talk and deal with this stuff. So it's kind of taboo dealing with all this stuff. And even being oh, yeah. in the military actively, you know, it's taboo to talk about it because one, if you got a security clearance, if you're doing something, there's a possibility that they may say, Oh man, you think you're kind of crazy. You it's, it's probably not going to happen, but that's what we're thinking. That, that's, that's exactly what is going on through my mind when I was like, man, I'm not going to talk to anybody about this. Someone's going to think I'm crazy. You know, I'm, I'm at this prestigious um, place. You know, it took me a long time to get here. I'm not going to lose that. You know, I'm, yeah. I, you know, so not only on top of your, you know, you're dealing with your actual struggles, but you're dealing with the inner turmoil of not wanting to talk to somebody or knowing who to talk to. So there's just so many different avenues of just crap that people are dealing with and it kind of messes us all up. And I guess for me, the good thing that happened to me is I just, I exploded. I, I, I lost it. I came to my end. I couldn't do it anymore. I, I, I had nothing. I, I lost everything. I had everything and I lost everything. And I just had to start figuring out how to build it back up. And honestly, my faith was a huge part of uh, my, my recovery, my being alive, my um, wanting to change, wanting to grow, wanting to gain an understanding for what's going on and allowed me to open up and be more receptive to not only myself, my feelings, my emotions, uh, my thoughts, but to others, I would never be able to just go up to talk to somebody and let them talk to me. I'm just going to get away. I was an angry, grumpy, bitter dude for so many different years. So, so many years. I was never an alcoholic. I had enough people in my family that um, ruined my life and I wasn't even drinking, but uh, I mean, I don't, I don't mind having a drink too, uh, but uh, that's, that's not my jam. No do drugs. So everything I've always kind of dealt with, it just raw it's raw emotion it doesn't make me a better person it just i just dealt with things differently so you know my no my i think it's mechanism would i would just shut down i would shut down i'd be a zombie i don't want to deal with you um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna not deal with it and then over time it just become a lethargic lazy i don't want to do anything i lost drive and motivation to go anywhere do anything talk to anybody and sooner or later i'm just stuck and yeah. i'm in the dark I I think it's wow. interesting that you mentioned, um, you know, that being a father yourself is what, you know, that was a big part of the reason you wanted to break the cycle and do things a little differently. I think that, you know, my personal life, um, you know, I have five kids and what the way I parent, uh, you know, my first, my first child versus how I parent the fifth child is way different. You know, I think, I think as human beings and in our relationships, you have to grow every yeah. day you know if you're not growing every day and trying to change there's something wrong you know i mean and, and it's always not it's not always something so drastic that you got to change it and it's got to 
you know, you got to put all this, you know, huge effort and point it out, you know, just something growing every day, learning something, yeah. new, trying to change, you mm -hmm. know, because, I mean, all of us are different. You and I are way different today than we were when we were, you know, 19 and, you know, in basic training, <laughs> you know, yeah, man, 100%. It's, it's a totally different, two different people, right? It's not even like looking in the mirror. It's, it's two different people. So I've, I, gone through, I've gone through two different lifetimes since then, man. You yeah. Know, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm like, on my, I feel like I'm like on my third, my third life right now. Like I'm a video game or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Recharge, recharge. Yeah. yeah. So how, so were you having these feelings as a teenager? Uh, I'm curious, is that what kind of drove you to, to go into the Coast Guard and just leave? You know, that was a big driving factor. Um, I just wanted to get out and see the world and just do my own thing. Um, being with my, being with my mom at the time and my stepdad, which, uh, they were great. They're great influencers. Um, and they took very good care of me, but I knew that they couldn't pay for college. I wasn't like, I didn't grow up with like, you know, a rich family or anything like that. And, you know, as, as a little bit of kid, it was like either in a tiny little house or a trailer from trailer to trailer, or, you know, just something super sucky to actually having, you know, one house and living in one city and growing, growing up with a, one group of kids for that little bit of time made me realize, you know, I, I want to get out and I want to explore and do things. I wanted to go to school. My ambitions was to, uh, race motocross. I love motocross. I love dirt bike. I had a dirt bike and I'd always ride. I went to a private Christian school actually, and I would ride my dirt bike to school every day. So that was my jam. So I was like, man, I want to race, but I realized it's extremely expensive. Uh, me working at McDonald's and going to college, uh, wasn't going to cut me being a pro racer. So I was like, you know what, next best thing, uh, I joined the military. I'll get some money and I'll go to school and I'll be a mechanic. So I wanted to be a mechanic to work on the, the, uh, um, the pro riders bikes, you know, tour with them. I'm like, man, that'd be kind of close. So really that's why I joined the coast guard. Uh, I went in to be a machinery technician to work on uh, stuff on boats, you know, turbine, diesel, gas, uh, uh, engines, um, shipboard stuff, refrigeration, AC, whatever, you name it. That was kind of my thing. Then, um, nine 11 happened. Then everything went from just kind of being normal little puddle pirate to, well, we need to start looking at different things. We started doing security up and down the West Coast. I uh, went to a couple of different boarding schools, uh, boarding team member school, boarding officer school. The boat I was in was decommissioned and I went to this uh, tactical law enforcement uh, group in San Diego and we deployed all over the world doing uh, counter narcotics, alien immigration, neo-ops, um, narcotics, drug busts. Uh, so all kinds of different stuff. We went to Iraq 2003, uh, seen some combat there. So that was kind of like my jam. I, I felt like I, I fit in um, at that time. And I was married at that time. And I, I realized I won't be able to sustain that. I need to, you know, be at home. And I need to go kind of like have a, like a mundane life and uh, go to school. That's kind of what I went for. So I got out of the Coast Guard after four years. And I went to MMI, Motorcycle Mechanics Institute there in Phoenix, started working on bikes. I was working full time and then going to school. So I'd leave at like four o'clock in the morning, come back at like 12 o'clock at night every day. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. Uh, I can barely afford anything. I'm like, this is not, it's not really worth it. I'm not going to make any money working on motorcycles. So I'm like, 
I got to do something different. So wound up actually joining the uh, the army, and I wanted to go in as eleven Bravo. And they uh, they told me no. I have too many mechanical skills to. Uh, they wanted me to work on uh, tanks or you know the motor pool stuff. I'm like, oh man, I don't. I don't. Wait, want wait, to. wait. They, they told you no. They told me no. Bravo. I've they never heard that before. Yeah, they straight up told me no. This is cool. I'm like, what? No, they're like, we want you to work on stuff. So I was getting ready to walk out. I, I had a plan. Like, I want to go 11 Bravo. I want to go Ranger School. I want to go SF. I want to go Delta. Those were, that was my jam. What, what year was this? Uh, this was in uh, 2006 was when I was talking to the recruiter. I went in in 2007. Okay. It just blows so, my mind. Yeah, so they said no. So I was, I was like, all right, I'm done. I'll I'll. I'll I'll figure something else out. So I, I was walking out the door and I seen this picture of this Blackhawk. And I was like, you want me to fix something? I'll fix one of those. He goes, oh, hold on. Just wait a minute. And he's all clicking on the computer and he goes, I can make that happen. I'm like, okay, cool. So then I went home and I started looking at like what kind of special operations stuff with helicopters. I'm like, what can I do to swoopy with that? And I found 160th. I'm like, all right, that's kind of, that might be something I can get into. So that's kind of the avenue that I went through with my can you, can you talk about, because I think a lot of people hear the 160th, but can you just kind of give our listeners a brief overview of what actually that unit does and why it's such a special unit in the, in the army? Yeah. 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 So, um, I'll, I'll paint, I'll paint a, 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 a broader picture. When I first went in the army, I did my training, did all my stuff. I went to a regular army unit, third, uh, third ID in, uh, Savannah, Georgia, Hunter army airfield. And, um, I was home for, couple weeks then I deployed big uh, big deployment to Iraq uh, um, basic combat kind of type stuff I started off working on helicopters doing maintenance and then I actually got um, pulled to the uh, the crew side to start actually being uh, a crew chief door gunner so um, I was out flying doing missions doing everything at night uh, doing all the combat stuff so that was pretty cool my, my first deployment doing that and came back and then I had a bunch of uh, neighbors and buddies that were in the 160th. So they're like, Hey man, you should come over to the dark side is what they call it. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. I'd really like to. And they're like, Oh, well I'll hook you up with an interview. So they had a guy come and talk to me and he's like, ah, oh, man, come on, uh, come on over. I was like, okay. So I had to go and assess. So um, 160th is a special operations aviation regiment. It's called a uh, 160th. Um, they were there in, Savannah, Hunter Army Airfield. Um, I got accepted and they let me go assess to what they call their assessment is called Green Platoon. So I went through that, I completed that, came back, and then uh, I went into my training to be a crew chief for um, the 160th there on Blackhawks in, in Savannah. So 160th really is uh, they, they're they the best in the world at what they do. Uh, the best aviators in the world, the best uh, team, they, they work nonstop, they train nonstop, they train like they fight, uh, they go hard in the paint. Um, they do everything big, they do everything hard, they do everything fast, they're go, 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 go. It's nonstop. Um, I found that out really quick. I'm like, man, that's what I wanna do. Is, this is gonna be my jam, I'm gonna do this, and I did. And and it now, the 160th flies for for the whole special forces command, right? I mean, you can yeah, that JSOC, yeah. So it's JSOC. So we've worked with uh, the Navy guys. We worked with 
uh, uh, jointly with Air Force. Uh, we work jointly with, uh, you know, other other entities. So, you know, uh, all, all across the board, uh, the full spectrum, it's more um, more of the top tier guys, uh, different tier guys that uh, they, they are their customers. So- so for our listeners, the you know when you're when you're deployed as a soldier or a marine, um, you have your regular helicopter units. That's like what Mike was just saying. You're, you know, yeah. your third armor division has an aviation or third infantry division has an aviation brigade mm-hmm. that has you know Black Hawk helicopters and other helicopters, and they pick up the infantry guys, take you to and from. What the one sixtieth is the elite of the elite of pilots, and they fly all different types of helicopters. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I don't want to get into something we shouldn't be talking about, but they, the 160th are the guys that flew the team in that, um, attacked the Bin Laden, uh, compound. I mean, that's the kind of stuff they're doing. Um, it's very elite special operations pilots. I mean, they're the best helicopter pilots on the planet. Um, case in point, like Roberts Ridge, uh, all of these, all of these, uh, Mogadishu, uh, Black Hawk Down, um, those were actually uh, all the other battalions would call Savannah Hollywood. Uh, they call us Hollywood because we were we were in our that unit was in uh, Mogadishu. So uh, some of the guys that actually were there uh, trained me up in different aspects of, of uh, my my progression and training and different things. So um, they. Their, their main purpose is to take the elite of elite and take them to the most darkest, craziest places in the world and drop them off and then be able to go back and get them and then to do it again. Like there's no resting there. There's no in between. They got to come back. They got to get their currencies. They got to get ready. And then they got to go back in there again. So it's, it's nonstop. It's and, what, and for our listeners, you were a door gunner in the uh, 160th. I was a crew chief and, uh, and, and a crew chief is, is in fact, a, a, a door gunner and they're in charge of, um, you know, all of the goings on in the back, making in the sure back. That, yeah. that the ropes are good, um, fries bars are good, um, all the equipment, personnel, the, the, uh, the, the customers, the passengers, um, getting from point A to point B, getting off the helicopter, getting on the helicopter, uh, weapon systems, uh, depending on the type of aircraft, uh, they have Blackhawks, they have Chinooks, they have Little Birds. Um, that's that's their jam. That's what they roll with, and they're designed to go at night in the darkness, in the dirt, in the worst conditions, um, long range. Yeah, I just want our listeners to understand the intensity and and the prestige. Um, you, know, you you probably won't take credit for it because you're you're a pretty humble dude but the you know being being in on a crew in the 160th is a big deal i mean if you don't know so it's, it's a big a, deal it's it's a it's an arduous process there's there's a vetting process and um the more you go the the more you do and it was just it's non-stop so not only are you training yourself but you're training other people you're training other entities you're training other air crews you're training uh, you go off, you do an appointment, you come back, then you got to go out and get your currencies. Then you got to come back, take a nap. Then you got to go back out and train another team and get their currencies. So it's nonstop. By the time you get done with those currencies and you're good to go again, it's time to deploy again. So it's, right. there, there's, there's time, there were times where um, I was gone over 
300 days out of the year and there's there's guys that are deployed just just so much they're they're just gone constantly so it's it's uh you got to want it yeah 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 Yeah. so it sounds like the 160 i mean are they more are they doing missions more like an on i know you're deployed but are they almost on like an on-call type basis or is it different units deploy and they they're the ones that get the call and then you have a unit back home that's you know how'd that work yes okay all all of that they 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 do all of that they do um depending on what their mission status is and and what they're called to do and their geographic uh, location of um you know uh where their aor is at okay uh, wherever they're needed is is where they're going to go and if someone can't make something happen or something happens another guys, another group of guys are going to go, there's still going to be a team that, that shows and they're going to be there plus or minus 30 seconds, no matter what. Wow. Yeah. That, that takes a toll. That's then that's not how most military units operate for anyone. That's not familiar. That's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's, so, it's, yeah, that, incredible. It, it's a special operations unit. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's, it's, it, they have the, you know, they have the tempo of what a Navy SEAL, team or, or special operation, you know, Green Beret guys do, um, you know, I, I don't claim to know anything about the Delta guys, but, you know, I would assume a- anywhere those dudes go, somebody's flying them there. So, yeah. you know, th- and, that and operation tempo it, is the same. 100%. You got to think about it. The, uh, the mindset, um, training mindset like this is, uh, you know, we're, we're out there taking these guys to that fight. If something happens to us, we we're in charge of taking the guys to the fight. If something happens to us and we're down on the ground, those guys on the ground are taking us. So now we have to keep up with them. We have to be proficient in weapons. We have to be proficient in um, tactical awareness. We're constantly training, doing stuff to be able to keep up with our customers. So it's not just to look cool and to be cool. We actually have to know what's going on. So if we go down with E and E, you know, we, we do peel somewhere off, off the middle of nowhere. We get shot down doing whatever. We need to be able to keep up with these guys. We can't be a liability. We have to be an asset. Yeah, yeah. So it's really like infantry times like 10,000. So you did get your infantry that you wanted just on a whole nother planet, really. That's awesome. Yeah, so there, there's 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 a lot of moving parts, that's for sure. <laughs> so I got, I got to ask, I mean, do you ever have any any close calls, any scary situations you can, uh, you can tell us about? I can't give details about a lot of stuff, but there's definitely a lot of, uh, lot of, a lot of memories and, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of crazy stuff. That's for sure. And yeah. I'll never see anywhere else in the world, maybe on some movies, there's some stuff in the movies, but they, they can't, they can't quite just grasp those. It's those not quite the same. The, the senses, the smell, the taste, all of that stuff. This it, is not, it's not the same. So since you can't talk about it, is there any movie that you found that comes reasonably close to describing your experience or anything out there that you could reference someone to say, okay, this is not exactly it, but this gives you a pretty good idea of what we did. Any, anything you know, out there? Uh, um, uh, the, the movie that, that gets me still the most um, that I love is, is Black Hawk Down. And it shows, yeah. I love it because um, it shows the book is great. The book is awesome, and it goes through uh, different perspectives of different guys. Yeah, the book the is really good. But the uh, the movie was really cool because it got to really show, you know, the aspect of the aviators, the, the helicopters, and what they're doing. So it kind of, like, went through, and, you know, that's a legit thing. You know, guys, 
guys are getting shot. You know, I've had, I've had to put people in the ground. I've had, uh, talked with guys, you know, constantly that their helicopters got shot and only some of them survived. And, you know, they, they got thrown out of the back of the, their aircraft. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's different. It's life-changing. Even if it doesn't happen to you, happens to your buddy, happens to someone at your unit or, you know, it's, it's, uh, well, you know what, Mike, if, I mean, if we're talking about movies and I know you, you know, I, I'm sure you have top secret clearance and you can't really go into missions. Right. But if you think about every one of these war movies we've had in this, during the GWAT, right. The, the mm -hmm. war on terrorism, every single one of them had a helicopter crash in them. Just when, about when we're, yeah. When we're talking about Navy SEAL, I mean, you go American sniper, you can go, uh, the lone survivor. I mean, we lost what three hell you know two or three full chinooks full of operators and crew yeah. um you know i black hawk down you know you, you name it in the modern warfare the the guys flying those helicopters for you know everybody goes oh you know navy seals and they are they're badasses right green berets mm -hmm. badasses yeah no question but the guys flying them every single story in every movie out there one of them crashed and you know pilots went down so it's it's a yeah. real real deal i had a drill sergeant that was uh he was in the 10th mountain in a scout platoon in mogadishu and uh he was in that convoy uh yeah. in the convoy and i remember him i don't know how it came up but one of the privates was talking about that the movie and something and he lost his shit <laughs> <laughs> just he just went nuts on this dude and just i mean and it, it was almost scary i mean he looking back at it now and knowing what i know now he yeah. wasn't just being a scary drill sergeant he had a little you know he definitely had a little ptsd involved with he had a little tick involved with that yeah and it happens i mean it, yeah. it, it never goes away you just you know you just learn how to process and deal with things differently yeah, so I mean, let's—I'd kind of like to talk about that too. I mean, so how long were you at the the one sixtieth? And I'd like to—you still have so much more to so much more to your story, um, even uh, after that was, awesome achievement. Uh, I was uh, with the one sixtieth for well, about seven years. Wow. Uh, no, uh, in the aviation aspect, uh, all, all together in the army, about seven years. Uh, so I was with the the one sixtieth for probably. Uh, four to five of that, I think. I only spent a little bit of time with third idea. I did, I did a big deployment and then went right over. Okay. And is that where you, were you with the 160th when you got, you got hurt, right? Yeah. I, I got medically retired, uh, for my back. So, um, there were some other issues involved with that. Um, we got some old brittle bones and beat up, but, uh, as an aviator, uh, your, your bones and your back pretty much are the first things that go. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. And, uh, those comfortable seats in the back of a Blackhawk. Oh yeah, yeah, they they definitely are not. But um, that I I had uh, intentions of you know being a lifer. That was kind of like my goal. Forty years old, I can I can my first retirement. Man, that was you know after you know the ten year mark. You know it's kind of like all right. It's kind of like starting to kind of starting to see things a little bit differently. You kind of start to plan some stuff out, and then you know just one day just everything just flipped upside down and uh, I, I hurt my back. I went to another country, um, came back and I just, I couldn't stand up straight. And I figured I just pulled my muscle, you know, I just pulled something and uh, 
for, for a while. I didn't get it looked at for like a month or two. Like, man, it's just, it's not going. Advil, couldn't hardly run. I was having a hard time just standing up straight. I couldn't pick up my son, the little baby at the time. So um, I finally went in, go get looked at at the aid station. The very first visit, he's like, yeah, you know, back issues are not really probably, they're they're not really the best. We might be looking at med board, you know, I'm like, look at my back first, you know, check me out. So he was putting, give me wow. back bite. That's, that's, so from right then, that kind of set me up for a whole weird mindset. And that put me through a whole psychological process of, of all of that. I wound up actually going through stuff, getting the shots in my back, getting x-rays, getting MRIs, um, I, the back fin of my vertebrae, uh, I got that posted somewhere on, on my page. Uh, back fin of my vertebrae, I don't have that back fin anymore. My lowest vertebrae, so it, my bone kind of like sits like this. When I was twisting, pulling guys in, doing stuff, that would rub on my nerve and my whole like left side would go numb. And it wow. messed up muscles in my back. Being stressed out, being all costs, there's so many different factors. Uh, just, I just made it worse. And I got to learn that as I kind of progressed through everything, but, um, dealing with that, going through therapy, um, physical therapy to try to be able to walk straight, having guys look at my back saying, you know, you shouldn't be this way, but your back's messed up. You know, you shouldn't be this way. You know, you should be able to do this. We want to reclass you. We want to keep you in the army. I'm like, I'm not, I can't push papers after doing what I just did. there's, there's no way. So they're like, well, we're going to have to med board you. And I'm just like, ah, so I'm at the point where I have to, uh, I can't do anything. I can't run. I can't do missions. I can't fly anymore. It's like, it goes from a million miles an hour to a dead stop and everyone else is still moving. And, um, I had a house, you know, I was married, had a, had a son, you know, a little baby boy. It's just like, what do I do now? And that really started, the downward spiral of, you know, kind of like me not really understanding everything from my past. Like everything started piling up like right there at that point. There's so many factors that came along. A little along bit of that. panic. Oh man, just, oh, there's no plan. They're like, what do I got to do with my house? What kind of career am I going to do? You know, um, my, my, at that time, like the, the marriage was falling apart. Um, you know, I was, I was married for, uh, my first marriage was, was, you know, about 12 years and, um, we were struggling, we were doing some stuff. And I, I just turned into a zombie, you know, constantly being gone with the third ID and then coming back and then going straight into training and being gone in combat with one sixtieth. you know, I, I was gone and all I wanted to do is just be home and not do anything. And I wasn't comfortable in my bubble. Well, I've been gone so much. All my family just wants to do is just hang out with dad, hang out with husband. Let's, let's play. Let's go do stuff. And I don't want to do anything. And they're like, you know, what's wrong with us? And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. So there's just so much of unknowing, uh, non-communication of, uh, the different stuff, not knowing actually what's going on with you, not being able to communicate properly. Just, uh, it just, puts a terrible mix in relationships. And, uh, you know, that's another big factor with so many different divorces and special operations, military, anything like that. It's just, uh, it gets pretty rough. So at that point I get out and um, I tried different things. I actually went to work in Sweden for a little while, uh, working on helicopters. Uh, it was a pretty sweet gig. How'd you manage that? 
uh, was course he had a buddy of mine that actually was out and he he got a job working over there and he's like hey man um, I'm just over here they just want uh, people that know how to work on these Blackhawks come over here and help these Swedes uh, work on the Blackhawks. Was that a private company or was it military? Uh, it was just Korsky. It was okay. a, a contracting. It wasn't okay. the military. But I was out. I had my airframe and power plant license through the FAA to be able to work on aircraft before I got out. Okay. Um, so I was like, all right, you know, that might be a tool that I could use. It worked out. And I uh, went over there for a couple years and then came back and uh, I tried to do the mundane thing. I, I figured, you know, I was kind of scared of aviation because I really loved flying. I couldn't fly anymore. I knew I couldn't fly. And it, it put a chip on my shoulder. And um, it made me feel really insecure being around the aircraft. I mean, maybe I can't just do this. And I kind of talked myself out of being around aircraft and working on aircraft. So I actually tried to um, become an electrician. I spent uh, a few years in an electrician apprentice program. And uh, just, uh, just wasn't my jam. During that point in time, I really started understanding that I had no idea what you know, how to properly deal and manage with my emotions and understanding that in so many different aspects of being an adult that I should have learned as a kid. Um, while my life was falling apart at the time, it was just, <laughs> uh, I just, I came to my end. I, I, I lost everything and um, I just, I, I wanted, I wanted the end. Uh, I wanted to end my life. And, um, Really, my saving grace was uh, faith. You know, um, had you had you always had you always uh, been a man of faith, or had did you find God later, or you know, growing up uh, at, uh, that later part of my life as a kid, I went to a private Christian school, um, and that was kind of I enjoyed it. So you were exposed. You were exposed I was, to it. I was exposed yeah. to it, but it, I really didn't fully understand at, at the time because I didn't really have anybody in my family that was really big into it and like my mom and my stepdad at the time that, that that wasn't they didn't talk about it they didn't pray we didn't really eat together you know there, there was there was none of that so I didn't have that um religious or spiritual structure uh growing up I, I believed in God I believed in heaven and hell you know I believed in being good doing stuff but you know church just wasn't for me that type of people you know that wasn't for me I, I can't be good enough to do that so that just wasn't my thing and I wound up just kind of uh, over time, I'll talk to people about, you know, our beliefs and our values and um, just being able to respect other people's beliefs and values. And, you know, you believe your thing and that's cool. I believe my thing and that's cool. And I think that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but uh, I really came to my end because uh, I couldn't do it anymore. I had nothing. I didn't want to give up, but I didn't know what to do. So I was I was at an inner turmoil because I didn't want to quit. I, I, and through my whole childhood, I didn't quit through all of this stuff, through my adult life. I didn't quit through all this stuff, going through training, uh, through the special operations uh, with the Night Stalkers. We learned the motto, Night Stalkers don't quit. So I had this inner struggle, like, I don't know what to do, but I can't do it. So I clung, I clung onto the Bible, I clung onto faith, and um, I just started praying. And I had never prayed for myself before then because I felt like I wasn't worthy enough to pray for myself. I would always pray for, you know, to have broader shoulders to take on the world. And I would pray for everyone else. You know, I pray for other people struggling. Like some, you know, hey, pray for me, pray for this. You know, like, all right, cool, whatever. I didn't really know what that meant. Like, cool. Uh, so I didn't have anything. So I just latched onto it. 
And that took my focus off of what I didn't have. That took my focus off of, you know, what I'd been through, why I was hurting. It took my focus off so many different factors that um, caused me to get into this dark hole. And it really started to help me have more of an upbeat, uplifting perspective of life. And it started opening up my eyes. It started opening up my heart, my mind, my, my spirit. And for the first time in my life, after a couple months, I started seeing changes. Uh, I started going to the psychologist uh, through the VA. That's where I met this amazing psychologist that I was telling you about, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Megan Mack, I still remember. Um, started going through some stuff. I started going through my dark stuff, started realizing uh, things that were wrong with me and, you know, attacking them, you know, going through them, like, why am I like this? Why is that happening? You know, and so as I'm going through all these struggles in life and, you know, being homeless, being jobless for a while, uh, going through the divorce, my son's moving with his mom, so many different aspects. I'm still dealing with the emotions of that, but also dealing with emotions of uh, processing things as a child. So I'm kind of trying to catch up to my chronological time to right now from my past of being able to do all this stuff. And finally, it just it happened. And I let it all go. And that's when everything came through with my dad. That's when everything came through with, you know, the crazy lady that, you know, beat me as a kid, the crazy stepmom. Um, all those bad situations that went through, I'm like, man, I, I have a different perspective on it now. I appreciate it because it made me who I am. That's hard. Not everyone can do that. And uh, it doesn't oh, mean that's... that I deserve that. It doesn't mean that I deserve that. Um, and I was able to forgive. And, um, you know, honestly, uh, selfishly, it's for me. Forgiveness was for me. So I let all that stuff go. I'm like, you know, I don't have to deal with that anymore. It made me a stronger person. So if I had those people around, I would just thank them because they knew who I am. And um, I'm a greater person for it. And I can, I know not what to do. You know, seeing all these people in my family drink and do drugs and, you know, alcohol and ruin lives. I know not to do that. You know, and I'm, I'm going to help people and my son and my family or whatever. Don't do that. You know, I can talk to them. I can share things with them. I can open up to them. It gives me a different perspective. So all this, all these aspects of my faith really helped me to open up to understand myself more, to be able to talk more. And in doing so, talking to one person kind of opens up to another person. I had one guy, I went to the gym. I was going, I couldn't sleep for the longest time. I know veterans have issues with sleeping. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I'd go to the, I'd take a nap. And I'd go to the gym at like 12 o'clock at night. I'd go home, take a nap. I'd go to the gym at like, you know, five or six o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, I'd do well, that. What was it that kept you up? Like when you were trying to sleep, like, was it just, you weren't tired or like, what was that? What was that it like? It was, it was a combination of uh, just restlessness. It was, um, I can't shut my brain off. I can't okay. stop thinking. Anxiety, um, depression would set in. Um, you know, once once the ball starts rolling, the train starts going. You have all that momentum of all those thoughts and all these things, and one thing leads to another. It's like, oh, I can't do this. I, I was thinking about that, and you know, stuff from way back in the day, you know, comes up, and it's just like, ah, oh, you know, I got to go work out. I got to go do something. I'm, I can't do something, and that's when I started to want to do more than just sit on my couch and be lethargic. I, I like, I blew up, I gained weight. Like I went from being, you know, fit in the military special operations to being almost 300 pounds. Like I was just 
big and useless. And like, oh man, it hurt. I can't do it. I can't do what I used to do. I struggled with that for so long. But there was an amazing aspect when I was talking to this uh, psychologist, Dr. Mack. She's she's like, you know, what's your, I'll never forget the conversation. She goes, you know, what's your, what's your thoughts of being happy? How could you be happy right now? I'm like, oh, you know, I keep thinking of way back in the day, you know, before I joined the military, I relate my happiness to then because I was carefree. I didn't have a whole lot of bills. I didn't have a whole lot of, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of stuff. I was a teenager. You know, that's kind of happy that I feel like I, I, I want to be back at. And I, I don't know how to get there. And she stopped me dead in my tracks. And she says, you're never going to get that back. And it crushed me. And I, and I cried. And I couldn't say anything else for the rest of that, that time. I was like, I, why? I, I didn't even ask for why. It wasn't until... The, uh, the next visit, we started talking and um, we retouched that, that same subject. And I've been thinking about it this entire time. I'm like, oh, so, so what am I supposed to do? She goes, well, the cool thing about it is now you get to start finding what makes you happy now. She's like, you get to kind of start doing new things, finding new things, because you're not going to be able to do certain things. You're hurt, you're injured, you got to try new things. And I'm like, it just, it felt like it gave me a whole new lease on life. Yeah. I don't know why I was stuck on that. I was struggling with that. Like I was so struggled with like everything in the past and you know, this is the way I need to be and I can never get back to there. So I'm, I'm never going to, I'm never going to find it. Right. So it's, that's so interesting a way to look at that. I mean, oh, huge. We, were, we were talking before, uh, you know, before we started recording just about how I'm always joking about going back in the army and how much I miss it and the guys and, and we're not going back there. No. You can't, regardless of if your experience ended well or bad or if it was rough or or if it was the greatest thing on the planet and you did 20 years and you retired, whatever your experience is, we can't go back. And it's not just the Army. It's not yeah. just the military. Yeah. You can't go back to high school. You mm-hmm. can't go back to wherever. You can't go back to your glory days in college. You can't. And it's you, you just kind of. It was, that was a little eye-opening for me. It's like we yeah. have spent so much time as a society striving for these things to go back to. Like it, we miss it. And it's nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with missing the army. I don't think there's anything wrong with missing the one sixtieth. But mm-hmm. when you're when you're trying to go through your your growth evolution, we're we're not going back there. You can't. And that's the thing. We're struggling because we want to be someone. We want to go places. We want to do things. Yeah. We want to achieve all this stuff. And that's in the future. So we have this right here. And then we have all this stuff that, that we we don't know how to get there. We just know we want to get there. And then the only thing we can relate to is everything that's back here. Yeah. So we're either focused on what's up here or we're focused on back here. But everything that's right here, we miss. So that's yeah. our life. That's and that's, that's our life right now. So I it goes, it goes it back is, to that growth comment. Like you got to grow every day. You got to go. You got to put one foot. You know, it's left, right, left, right, left, right. It's 100, not, not the moonwalk. <laughs> so at that time, I was like, "You're absolutely right." So I started, I started like lighting some little sparks in different things. I'm like, I got to try certain things. I, I got to start living for these people that have died. Like. The, all the guys that I was grieving over that, you know, I had to bury and that I've lost. 
you know, I have to, I have to live for them. You know, I need to celebrate that life. I don't need to just mourn over it all the time. I can mourn it differently by celebrating life and just keeping them with me. So I'm like, you know, if they were here right now, they would want to live the most amazing, abundant, beautiful, loving, exciting life they possibly could if they could just for one more day. So I, I, I think of that and I started thinking about that. I'm like, that got me off my couch and I put on my, my vest, my body armor. And I, I went for this walk up this, up this mountain. And it's just, it opened up so much for me. I'm like, I got to start doing more. I got to start doing more, not just for me, it's for everyone else. And I got to start living for those people that can't, for the people that won't. So I just started kind of slowly doing that. I started slowly working out. I couldn't do what I used to do. I can't lift, you know, five, 600 pounds anymore. My, my back is shot. You know, I'm, I'm cool with, you know, two, 300 pounds. That's, that's all I need to do. I started trying jujitsu. I started trying running. I started weightlifting. I found things that I can't do. And I found things that I can do. And I started focusing on the things that I can do. And they kind of, once I started kind of building myself up and getting healthier, eating healthier, being mentally healthier, they all tied together. I can do more. I'm doing things. I love doing jujitsu now. Um, I'm, I've retrained myself how to run like two or three different times. Um, I enjoy running. I'm not fast by any means, but I can go. Uh, the furthest I've ran now is like almost 16 miles just without stopping. And uh, it's crazy. I just put on a podcast for music and I just go. And that's kind of just my my zone. But I know. Like, you end up like Forrest, uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We just keep running. You, you know, know, it's such an interesting point. Is you just made another amazing point that um, whether it's a friend, I mean, it's not even you know specific to the military. I mean, most of us that have been in the military in the last 25, 30 years have friends that didn't come home, right? But it could be just a friend or an aunt or uncle. Like, and I, I am so guilty of that where. I'm almost in a depressed mode for the loss of those men or women, you know, or my, my buddy, I had a real good friend of mine here in, in Las Vegas. Um, not, not a veteran, but just one of the closest friends I've ever had in life and um, struggled with and died of cancer very young. Mm. And he would never want me to be upset. And it's such an interesting when we get upset and we get down in the mud because our friend didn't come home or whatever it's understandable number one it's mm -hmm. a very common feeling but i don't think there's anybody that's died that wants you to sit there and mourn their life that way no. they they i mean you wouldn't i wouldn't yeah. if, if i were to pass away tomorrow i don't want my wife i honestly i don't want my wife to waste another minute being sad about me like like we just yeah. said left right left right get the go forward, you know, no, and, and enjoy, go, celebrate go, the good times we had. Go, the, go fishing and think about me, you know, like when my, 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 yeah. my pops love fishing, man. So every time I'm, I'm by water or I'm, I'm uh, I see water or I see a boat or a fishing pole or some fishing, my pops is there, you know, and he's always with me, you know, when, yeah. whenever I'm doing something active, I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm taking somebody with me today. I'm, I'm doing something. I'm doing something for someone else. You know, someone doesn't want to do it yet or they can't do it, you know, so I, yeah, I there's there's little things that my buddy, his name was Jim, um, and you know he, there's things that I still think about today. He's, he he died several years ago, and you know there's still things that I, 
just yeah like you said you know anytime a prince song comes on you know i think about him and you know he, he was a big music guy and you know yeah. and he was a he you know he loved absolutely loved horror movies like the worst you know uh you know b-rated horror yeah. movies you know yeah. so my my sons and i will we will occasionally catch a rob zombie you know uh not released film and, and and it's all in the name of jim you know it's, yeah. it's like you know this is what he would have wanted us to do rather than it's such man you're just it, the perspective that you just i mean that was two great points that, that you was, just that was another thing too for me is just when i started changing and i started going through things i i realized i had a completely different perspective on life like i could I would get on my Harley and go for a cruise and I would stop on the side of the road and take pictures of flowers. I love flowers. I'm this big burly tattoo dude and I love flowers. They're beautiful. <laughs> I love color. You know, I, I love seeing these trees with all these blooms during, you know, during the springtime and uh, the smells. I never used to pay. I, I, I didn't know that existed, you know, before when I was going through the military, I was so busy of getting to the next spot or getting to the next thing or being so grumpy that life sucked and this happened to me. And it just, it made me realize I one, I need to be where my feet are right now. When I start getting anxious and anxiety, I have so much anxiety, I start freaking out. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. What can I control? 99 point most percent of the stuff in this world I can't control. So what can I control right now? Where my feet are. Dang, where my feet okay, what can I do? You can what barely do control do? that. Yeah, you can't control <laughs> your breathing. You can't control your heartbeat. You can't control like your thoughts. You can control the things that you're thinking, but like the signals when you're thinking, you don't control the signals that are going from your brain to your fingers right here. You don't, you can't stop that from happening unless you don't move your hand. It's, yeah. it's super nerdy. I get stupid. I get, I get ridiculous with all of that stuff, but you know, it's the mindset and the perspective is completely different. So I really started focusing on, you know, changing my mindset, not being so stuck on thinking one way, having like a multi-dimensional kind of way of thinking of seeing things from a different side, seeing things from a different perspective, seeing things um, differently, thinking differently. And it allowed me to get out of that funk. That's, that's another big thing that veterans get stuck on is, oh. you know, the mindset and start working on the mindset and changing the mindset. Once you start doing that, you know, the depression goes away, the anxiety goes away, you know, you're, you purpose and direction. We have, we have that again, we can find that and we can see it and we can move forward towards it. And I mean, that's a big thing. You see a lot of people, they struggle with things. Um, you know, and everyone has a rough life, honestly, everyone goes through crap. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, everyone does. And you know what? People care a little bit, you know, your buddies care, your friends care, and they'll ask you, you know, you need help. You need anything. And most of the times, you don't really know what you need. You just need to go through it. Yeah. And sometimes you go through it so long, people get sick of asking you for help. And you're like, you just got to get through it. And honestly, most people don't care at a certain point. They're like, all right, dude, you got to get over it. You, you're having a rough life. I get it, but you got to figure it out. And after a while, you know, it's, you got to figure it out. No one really kind of, once you get to this certain plateau, no one really, no one really cares that you're going through a tough time because everyone goes through a tough time. Yeah. It sucks. Uh, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago. You when you, when you, when you crest that, when you start getting out of that funk, when you start seeing a change, they start seeing a change in you. They're like, Hey, wait a minute. What, what are you doing? What, what'd you do? And it's at that point when you start climbing out of your hole, whether you have someone helping you out or not, it doesn't matter. You know, 
most of the people will be like, ah, okay. And it's not, you're not getting out of a hole, obviously, for other people to look at you, but that's when people notice you. And that's when people are going to come at you like, hey, man, you need some help. You need some stuff. I see you're trying to do something with yourself. What else can I do? And people see that. People recognize that. And that's what people latch on to. And that, even that is like the first sign of vulnerability of like, all right, I went through some crap. I'm kind of starting to figure it out. Oh, yeah, this guy needs some help. Well, I don't know what's going on, but I went through this and this is what happened. Yeah, I think making the story relatable. Yeah. I think you put out that, that positive energy. And I think that, I mean, lack of a better term, that positive energy attracts other energy you know so you you're kind of in a way surrounding yourself with the people that you want to be like you know and i we've said it on the show before it's like you're the average of the five people i mean it's not my quote but someone else said it you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with and i think like you said putting yourself in those positions you're now putting yourself around um people at the gym right like i Mm -hmm. you know it's funny thing a lot of what you're describing is a lot of things that that i've done like i've struggled with my weight, you know, like I'm overweight right now. Um, but I hired a trainer, I'm going to the gym and I'm not a PT stud anymore by any means, but I'm around other dudes at the gym and I'm like, I want to be like that guy. Right. That dude's, that dude's fucking yoked. Yeah. I want to be like him Mm -hmm. and, or whatever. I didn't know you you felt like that about me, Brian. Well, (laughs) I don't want to say it, but you know, (laughs) <laughs> I do. I do stare at you longingly when we're on these uh, these calls here. Hey, hey, listeners, but, don't believe a word of that. <laughs> but the other thing I, w- I wanted to ask you, I mean, I love everything you're saying, and I'm, I'm, I love all this. But do you think that the problems that you're talking about, the problems that you had, do you think maybe in your case, or do you think in general, do you think a lot of that is exacerbated by just social media and just the environment we live in today? Um, because I think. I mean, at least I've noticed it myself. Like I, I look at other, you know, I, mean, I let me say this, like I, I served in the Marine Corps and I really enjoyed my time there, but my military career was nothing extraordinary. It was pretty average. And I look at other people like yourself, you know, other people that have served, other people that have been in way worse places than I ever was. And it makes me feel a little inadequate. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I served in the Marine Corps, but at the same time, I'm nowhere near what these guys are. And, you know, I look at other business, I look at other things and it's like 20, 30 years ago, I don't know if this would have been a problem, you know? And so I'm curious what you think. Like, do you, do you think it would be helpful for people just to get out of their funk, just to put all their shit away and be like, "Ah, I don't want to compare myself to other people. Like, would that be another way to look at it? You know, just put the social media away and say, just focus on yourself or. Uh, 100%. It's, it's, um, even before social media, we did that. Yeah. You, you, you would, you would see like a T like back in the day, it was like a TV show. You know, you'd see a TV show and you're like, man, I want to be like predator. I want to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger or predator, man. That dude's, that dude's ripped, man. That's, yeah. that's kind of what I want to be like, you know, and I'm pretty sure that there were some dudes, not as kids, but at, like men, you know, when they're 30 years old, man, I really wish I could be like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And there was no social media. There's always going to be some sort of comparing. Uh, that's that's who we are. That's what we are. We're competitive yeah. people by nature. Like humans are competitive. We're, we, we love that. We're tribal and we're competitive um, to like our basic roots. And when we start thinking about stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, man, we don't, we don't want to be 
just basic. We don't want to be just generic. We want to stand out. We want to be um, accepted. Accepted and loved is huge for us as you know, as humans. That's we long for that. Right. It doesn't matter how you go and get it. You know, gang members want to be accepted. They they yeah. they go and they go get accepted. That's that's like their love. They feel like they're loved by by doing that. You know, you know, kids, babies. They they feel accepted and loved by their parents, by their family members. You know, adults, friends. In some way, shape, or form, we want that. If we don't get that, if we feel like there's something inadequate, there's like we start thinking differently. As adults, we start getting more critical thinking skills and we start understanding more about life and we start analyzing things like, wait a minute, this guy has this and I don't have this. It's not how do I get that? A lot of times it's like, what's wrong with me? And that's a process of working on your mindset and start building skills to work internally to start getting to that point without sabotaging yourself. Because yeah. it's kind of it's kind of happened. You know, you can sit there and self-sabotage yourself by sitting there staring at social media like, oh, I can't be like this, or oh, I can't be like this. You know, you start seeing people and you're like, I want to be like that guy. I want to be successful like this guy. You know, I want to do this guy. And then you start writing stuff out like, all right, I see these guys how can I be successful like that? You start thinking differently. It's like, all right, what do I need to do? How can I, where my feet are right now, what can I change? And for me, one of the big things that I started doing is, you know, one bite at a time. You know, you both know through the military, your military experience, new land navigation, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Example, land navigation. You start walking, you have a 30 click hike, if you move one degree off to the left, by the time you get to the end of that, you're going to be so far off course, right? Yep. Just one degree. So just think about that. If you work on your mindset and your uh, discipline on like staying with that, staying with that and that course direction over time, you're going to have all that muscle. All that time over time, you're going to have all that brain work. You're going to have all of that effort, energy, love, attention towards the direction that you want it to go to. And it's going to be a significant change over a period of time, but it's just one little bite at a time. It's just like one little spark. You do, I was afraid to do jujitsu. I wanted to do some sort of something. I felt like I, I wanted to do it because when I was in the 160th, I did combatives and I loved it. I was like, man, I definitely can't do it. I, sent, I, I started doing some stuff. I, I sent out like some messages. I'm like, hey man, I'm kind of jacked up. I have a broken back, you know, I really want to try this. What do you think? And he's like, try it, dude. You know, just go out and give it a shot. Let your, let your professor know what's going on with you and just see how you feel. And I don't know why, but I feel like I needed to ask somebody that. And I went and did it and boom, I, I asked the question and he answered it and I went and did it. And I love jujitsu. And it's, this is something that I want to get into and I want to be able to start training and helping other people down the road. I'm helping coach you know, the kids class right now. It's amazing. Um, I'm being able, I can work out now. I can do certain things all just from those little bitty sparks and the discipline of, you know, doing it and making an effort towards doing something instead of just staying so fixated on why I can't do things. And that's why I feel mindset is so huge. It's so big. It's so uh, it's a, it's just, Yeah. The power it, of the it, mind is unbelievable. But it's hard. We can't, a, yeah. we can't do it alone. And what happens to us as veterans, we get, you know, just dis, disgruntled. We get angry, depressed. We yeah. isolate. And what's the biggest 
easiest way for an enemy to take take out a force is isolation. That's what they want to do. They'll pick people off one by one, or they'll bomb people in like big groups, right? But the easiest way is to pick people off one by one. And so that's what isolation does. This is like, oh, I'm going to pull you away from this, and I'm just going to keep you away from that and just going to hold you here. So if, you know, you're just sitting there on your couch or not hanging out with friends or, you know, changing your social group or something like that, that's all you're going to focus on. When when you're other people, you're in a you're in a group. That's why it's so great to have influential people that are like you want to strive to be like or around or have great energy and they're not uh, attention vampires or energy vampires and they're sucking all your energy. You got people that are giving you energy. Yeah. They're putting stuff into you and you know, they're encouraging you. They're, you know, helping you get ideas to try certain things. You know, I'm trying this, you know, why don't you try that? Give this a shot, give that a shot. Start looking at people. If you start seeing people that you want to go after or look like, start kind of asking some questions. How can I get there? What can I do? And of course, you know, if you're, if I'm 300 pounds, I was almost 300 pounds. I'm sitting there. There's no way I'm going to lose that amount of weight in 30 days it took me years to be able to understand that it's not a diet i can't just not eat for a week and then lose all that weight and then it be functional it's i had to change my diet i've i tried different things i don't take medication for anything anymore i take supplements and vitamins and minerals that's it i don't take i don't have uh, gastrointestinal reflux issues anymore very rarely do i but um, I don't take antidepressants, um, sleeping pills, and anxiety pills. I don't take any of that stuff anymore. I was on that stuff every day, and it was miserable. Was that but, part of the? Was that part of the? Your downfall with your, your, you know, what, what we'll call your, your bottom, I guess, as an adult, the rock bottom, where. Um, I think that was a huge uh, part of it. That was a huge influencer for it because when I was. In the process of getting out of the military, I was put on this medication for depression. That's that's the point I'm getting at. We've we've talked to several guys that have said they went in and talked to the doc, whether it was post, uh, you know, pre-separation or post-separation, mm-hmm. and and within 20 minutes of their first visit, they're getting handed these pills. And it, yeah, so so check this out. I didn't realize this. So. I knew that there was some issues with this medication and me because I could feel like it felt like a little, it's crazy, but it felt like a little electrical shocks, like in certain parts of my brains. I didn't know why. I thought I was just messed up for years. I, I hated taking medication. I didn't want to take it. So there'd be times where I would just completely just, I wouldn't even wane myself off. I would just quit taking it and it would mess me up. I would have to like lock myself in a room and just curl up in a ball for a couple of days because I, I was not right. I couldn't walk right. I was dizzy. I, I couldn't think right. It was weird. When I really wanted to, I, I, I quit for the longest time and I felt like, you know, I, I think I need something to help me stabilize my emotions because I, emo- I was an emotional rollercoaster. Right, right. right. Right there at the end where I was, you know, my transition from not wanting to live anymore to okay, let's, let's do something different. I went to the doctor and I'm like, Hey man, I was taking this medication. Uh, this is what's going on. 
and uh, I haven't taken it for a while. I feel like I need something. And the doctor was like, how long have you been taking this? I'm like, well, that was the original prescription when I got out of the military. I've I, I never bumped up the dosage, but that's just what I felt like I, I was told that I needed to take. And he's like, that is the maximum dosage of the most SSRI uh, medication that you can take. I guess this med, whatever it was, it was the, the highest dosage. It didn't even start with the small doses. It was like the highest recommended dosage that you could take per day with the most SSRI receptors, uh, whatever. I think it was like three uh, that it impacted. And that's what caused, and I kind of told him that. He goes, yeah, that's that's a side effect to it. And that's um, that a lot of people feel that. And he goes, like, there was no buildup to it. I'm like, no, I was told I needed to take this. And that was that was it. Like, you, wow. don't, you don't know to question stuff like that. I, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. You know, this guy's a uh, special operations, you know, the psychological doctor. I'm like, all right, you know, he's a doctor. I don't, I don't know. So say in the military, you're, you're not told to, you go to the flight surgeon, the guy goes, okay, you need this, 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 and this, go back to work. You don't question that. He's a subject matter expert. I'm yeah, yeah. him. And then yeah. if he wants to know something about the helicopter or the minigun, I'm gonna hook him up with my knowledge. That's that's exactly that's how I feel it should work. It didn't work like that. So they put me on a completely different medication, the smallest dose. And in that same day, I'm not even kidding you, when taking that dose, normally there's like a buildup time or having to, I could feel the difference off that lowest dose. I'm like, this is game changing. So at that point in time, I knew that it wasn't me. I knew that I didn't need to be on this medication forever. I knew I had a game plan of, I need to get myself right. I need to start working on some stuff. I need to get balanced out. I don't know how to do that, but I knew there was something different with it at that you point. You had to do the dark work. I had to start. I, I didn't even know that's what it was called, but um, you know, I had to start working on some stuff. And over time, it was about a year or so. Uh, that I was taking that small dosage over time, I was like, all right. And then I was ready to just not take it anymore. And I took that leap of faith and, you know, it was a small dosage and I felt healthy. I felt comfortable. And, um, but it stabilized you enough to, I was good. Change your mindset to make some changes in your world and in your life Mm -hmm. that put you on a path of growth and change. It was that small step. That was your zero to one. Hey, and and to, and to be, and to be aware of emotions and to understand emotions and that I'm not always going to be on this high and I'm not always, I don't always need to be down on that low. And there's going to be this lull where I felt bored. And that was another thing that I didn't understand. I'm like, there's this lull in in between where life is boring and I don't understand that. I don't like that. I feel like there's something wrong with that. And the doctor was saying, I'm like, all right, you got two different people. You have someone that's never been in the military and been in combat. And they're in a circle over here. They're, they're stressed out. It's a stressful day at work. They're driving home in rush hour traffic and their maximum stress level is like right here. It's right here. Your minimum stress level is way over here. Like you're 10 times maxed out compared to this other guy. And that's when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, yeah, you're on edge from the get-go. Your your maximum stress level is like way over here off the spectrum compared to most of these other people. So what happens is like you've changed, you've developed some different things. And this is after she told me, you know, 
you can't go back to your past. You got to start changing some stuff. And then I became aware of that. I was just like, oh, okay. So I started changing. I, I realized this is normal. I changed my normal. I, I kind of re-baseline myself. I started understanding like, all right, this is, I, I, this is what I want my normal to be. This is what I'm going to expect my normal to start becoming. And it was okay to be relaxed and chilled. And for the longest time, I would hear ringing in my ears from the tinnitus. I would freak out because I knew that that was quiet time and my mind would start racing and I didn't like that. So I had to listen to music. I had to do something. I had to stay busy. Now when my ears get quiet, it's chill. Right. And I love it. And I'm able to just relax. I'm able to breathe. I'm able to stretch out. I'm able to enjoy the peace. And that's it's hard to get there. A lot of people can't get to that point. Hmm. Having peace, um, self-induced real peace inside your mind and and being able to to like you said smell the roses i hate using that analogy but smell the roses stop smell the roses that's a just tough look at them. Yeah. yeah it's uh you know i've always said you know one of my biggest things that i struggle with and and i think that is is one of the hardest things as one a veteran to a male uh is self-assessment mm -hmm. you know when when you can take true self-assessment it's yeah. one of my biggest struggles um you know for me to for me to take a, any situation and, and look at it that i may be wrong or mm -hmm. that i may be doing this incorrectly and to admit that not you know it's easy to say it out loud to you know yeah well, okay my bad right and then you walk away and go that idiot or whatever mm -hmm. to truly go no i'm i'm this is wrong right or, yeah. or, or i'm doing this incorrectly is the toughest thing. I, I, I'm the most guilty person of self-deception, you know, when you're trying to do self-assessment and it's just, it's and just, you, uh, if I'm, you can I'm get just... to that point though, where you can just be peaceful. I mean, even if it's for a moment a day is, mm -hmm. is such a blessing. And see, such on, a the blessing. Spectrum, on the opposite spectrum to that, you get into a point where you can start doing that. And then you recognize certain things and you know you do that in certain places like in a workplace or certain yeah. areas and people become more accustomed to you. And then they know you do that. People will exploit that and you will see that. And there's a whole nother level of having to be okay with allowing people to either be insecure or have their own issues. And it sucks because it sucks and it doesn't. It's cool because you can see that and you're aware of that. It sucks because you have to deal with that and process that. That's like an, an extra step. And I'm not trying to discourage anybody, but when you get no, to no. that point, yeah. when you get to that point, it's another mindset. It's like, it's you're continually growing. Now at that point, you're not working on yourself. You're able to start analyzing and seeing things differently from other people. So it's, it's just like a, a door, like you cross through one threshold and you're getting into another one and you're cons consistently growing. And I think that's what makes, you know, a good leader is to be able to, you know, and us being in the military, a lot of us are trained to be, you know, to lead and to grow. And that's, that's one of the big things is, is there's a continual growth in the military, you're constantly evolving, constantly growing. And sometimes in the civilian world, you get out, there's, there's nothing, there's no growth. And it's, yeah, there's no, there's no real stunting. evolution. Right? Stunting. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. And then you dealing with all these insecure people when you get them in the military too, you get them everywhere. Um, but you start having these people with these different things and they know that you're kind of chill and they'll exploit that or they'll kind of like play into that differently than 
it, it, it's kind of a weird concept, but it's it's kind of neat because it opens up your eyes in a different perspective as you're able to see other people as, you know, who they are and you'll allow people to be people instead of trying to control them or being fearful of them saying something that's going to trigger you or that might not be true. I'm like, so what if it's not true? I know it's not true. So I'm not, I don't have to worry about it. I can just go on about my day and I still have my peace. So what triggered you to, what triggered you to take the, the step to do what you're doing now with, with your podcast? Um, you know, I mean, you're almost a motivational speaker almost. I mean, what, what caused you to take that evolution and kind of bring us to where you're at today? Um, I mean, was there a significant, was it, you know, was there a point in your life? Is there something that happened or did you just say, Hey, I got to share some of this knowledge with, with other people? You know, um, I think it was dealing with that, that VA for a little bit. I got to a point where I was invited to do these group conversations and it was really interesting. There was different levels of people going through different levels of um, recovery for PTSD and for, you know, awareness. And there were people that were very standoffish and they didn't want to talk. There were people that were kind of like mid range. There were people that there was a couple people that were, you know, well on the recovery side. And, uh, you know, those people were more capable of talking and sharing things than these other people. And at that point, I'm just like, man, that's, that's kind of cool to see how that works out. And over a few sessions of us kind of hanging out together and talking and sharing things, more people were opening up and more people were being less bravo and macho and you know, oh, I did this and then I did that. And then it was kind of, you know, well, I've been through this and then, oh yeah, I've been through this. And then they, they soften up and they open up and they become vulnerable, which is extremely scary. And as alpha males, that's really hard for us to do. Yeah, for sure. But at that point in time, I just, I don't know. I just kind of became more uh, aware of me being vulnerable and just okay with talking to people about stuff. And there's a lot of veterans, you know, I was talking to a lot of veterans. I was talking to a lot of people about stuff and they're like, man, I really appreciate you talking to me. You know, it means a lot. You know, I know you've been through some stuff and it really helped me out and it changed my mind with this. And, you know, I've worked through this. And so it was encouraging for me to know that I was going in the right direction with, you know, opening up and being vulnerable. Like there was, that was the payoff for me. I was like, all right. And I just, over time, you know, I started growing my faith. I started, you know, going to church more. I started reading the Bible. I got baptized. And what I really wanted to do was kind of tie more of my faith and how that faith helped me to kind of like change my perspective and mindset um, and share that with other people. Because there wasn't even a whole lot of that either. And so not only is there a whole lot of vulnerability, but there's not a whole lot of people sharing their faith about what they're going through. And I used to think of, you know, all oh, this guy, he's a Christian, he goes to church, you know, he's better than everybody else. You know, I, 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 I can stand people like that. But now, because I'm going through it and I'm seeing it, I change my perspective because I'm not, I, I need that. I'm, 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 I'm not a, a, you know, a good person. I'm not a perfect person. You know, I fail, I, I mess up, I do things. That's exactly why I need that in my life. And that helps me for my mindset. You know, I'm not going to, um, you know, 
these 12 step programs for alcoholism or doing anything else, you know, I'm, I'm in there trying to feed my soul, trying to feed my spirit and trying to learn more, um, about God. I'm trying to learn more about how to be a good human and help other people and do things. And for me, um, being vulnerable and sharing my stuff was a big thing. So that's kind of why, like, I kind of want to create something to help other people. And I created Noble Warrior and I, it wasn't even going to be a podcast at first. I was going to like create like some shirts and do some stuff and kind of donate to maybe like some churches or, you know, some veteran organizations and try to raise money or do something like that. But it kind of, as it progressed, I was just sharing my story and sharing my stuff with other people. And um, I didn't want to do that. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to make any money. I don't want to do anything. I just, I want to help people out. I want to share things. I want to put stuff out there that people should have for free you know it's this is something that everyone needs you know kids need this we need to learn more about leadership we need to learn more about um all of this stuff emotional intelligence you know everyone needs all this stuff faith even you know whether you believe in faith or not whatever your faith is you might not necessarily believe in what i believe in but if you do have a faith you know lean more into it if you believe in luck cool man go press into it harder you know, go hard in the paint, you know, like Bob Ross, dude's up there just painting beautiful artwork, man, he's in it. Yeah. Go do something, make it purposeful, make it beautiful, yeah. and share it with the world. And so that's kind of what I went with it. And then I, I kind of started getting into the podcast thing because uh, I felt like I wanted to share a little bit more. And um, yeah, that's kind of my jam. I get a lot of people come up to me and ask me, you know, you know, why don't you do this? And why don't you do this? Or they're kind of interested in what I got going on, but they see that I'm I'm not really doing anything for profit. I mean, I could, and I've thought about it, but I don't think I'm ever going to do anything like that with Noble Warrior for that, just because I want it to be a platform of people to see it and get motivation, get growth, get yeah. something that can be good for their life, for their soul, for their spirit, for anything, and to help them move forward and grow and uh, just become better people, be better than what you were yesterday. You don't have to be better than anybody else. You're probably not going to be better than anybody else. Just, and that's my goal. Everyone Gee, be a better you. Be a better you. Yeah. Tomorrow than you were today. You know, each day you want to be that's better. Great advice. You know, be where your feet are. Yeah. You know, keep growing, keep moving forward. Uh, front towards enemy. I, I love that. You yeah. Know, I, I love that little tile you have is front yeah. toward enemy. Yep. That's yeah. That's, that's the big thing. Keep moving forward. You know, you're, you're going to get knocked down. Uh, well, things are going to come at you. You just got to keep going. Tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and on your website and uh, anything else you want to tell them where they can find you and, and use you as a tool and uh, tell us. Yeah, um, you can uh, find me on my website, www.wearenoblewarriors.com. Um, I post uh, some of my stuff from the social media. I got links for the, uh, the podcast on there as well. Uh, there's a question comments section. Um, so you can go on there. Um, leave some questions, leave some comments, just check stuff out. Um, What's your Instagram handle? On my Instagram, uh, uh, Noble Warrior Official uh, is, is where I keep all of that stuff. And uh, my personal one is uh, NSDQ Mike, where you can see all my ridiculous dad joke stuff, all my, <laughs> all my, all my goofy stuff with all my turtles and frogs and animals at work. And, uh, you know, I just, I just, I just got another text from my wife. She wants me to ask you, um, where did your obsession with tacos come from? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
So uh, another transitioning point in my life, uh, right when I was uh, getting ready to leave Oregon and move into this job that I'm in now, I was in uh, working in uh, the firefighting industry with the helicopters. And uh, we were doing this job in this hot area in Southern Oregon. And uh, they were bringing us like sack lunches with like white wonder bread and ham and like milk is like school lunches and had like an apple and grown <laughs> men over there sitting there starving. These guys are in there like, hey man, you want to have your mayonnaise? Can I have your mayonnaise? I'm like, dude, you can have all this stuff. I don't want any of this. I'm going to go into town. I had to go into town all the time anyways to refill up gas and get stuff for generators. There's this Mexican restaurant right there. I mean, I've always loved tacos, but this is where it changed for me. Everyone was just angry, grumpy, bitter, down. It was hot, miserable, smoky. There's flames coming over the mountains, just raining ash everywhere. And uh, I go fill up all the generators, get all the gas, and then I see the Mexican restaurant down the street, and I'm just like, I got a couple minutes. I'm going to go down there and get some tacos. I got like a, a dozen tacos, and I shared it with some other people, and they're like, oh, man, this is good. Thanks. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to make this a daily event. And uh, I'm going to do it for the rest of the time I was there. So I think like for like seven or eight days, I, every day I went and got tacos and more and more people were wanting tacos. They, they were calling me crazy at first, but then I'm like, right, well, you can sit here and eat this Wonder Bread, yeah. you know, yeah. sandwich and apple and a, and a jug of milk. I'll go have some tacos and some Gatorade, bro. And I'm like, I'll pay for it if you want it. I don't, I don't care. Let's, you know, I'll help you out. So I did that. I ate tacos for like seven or eight days straight. And I was just like, man, it brought so much joy and morale to like, not only me, but for everyone else. And that was a pivotal point for me that my mindset, I, I recognized something at that point right there. And I was just like, ah, tacos mean a little bit more to me right now. So um, I went and actually got a tattoo of the taco. I have a taco tattoo. On my oh, no so, way. Check yeah. that out. It's got like a dagger in there and everything uh -huh. like that. So it's so, a badass taco. Yeah. So, <laughs> so now I, I love tacos. It's the process of making tacos. It's a mindset. I relax. I chill out. Um, I like to do tacos with my with my queen. We do all kinds of different cool tacos: smoked salmon tacos, shrimp tacos, um, all kinds of. I have. I make my own tortillas. I got a tortilla press. Um, I, I go to town on it. So, that, so that's um, I think what you're saying is you're inviting us over for dinner. We're going to be over there in about a half an hour, right? Hey, that... <laughs> anytime you guys want to come over, I'll throw down on some tacos. I, I love it. Not even, it's not even a question. We got some uh, good taco joints here in, in Vegas. So if you're ever in town, oh, yeah. you call me. We'll hit yeah. the gym and we'll go get some tacos. So my yeah. wife is a huge taco fan as well. She's a huge that's, Mexican. That's she knows what's up. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, that's uh, one of the few places in the world that I haven't been. One of my, on my bucket list is Australia and Vegas. I've been to the airport, but I've never been out or uh, actually in. I'm always driving through or in the airport, so I can't officially say that I've been there. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm not I've, been to a, I've been to a few airports in really cool places that I didn't <laughs> leave the plane or, you know, or the yeah, terminal. You can't really count. It doesn't nah, really count. Nah. You know, it doesn't really count. So yeah. uh, Vegas, everyone kind of makes fun of me, but Vegas is one of those places just to, just to go see the, the weirdos and the nightlife and see some shows. And it's, it is, uh, COVID has, um, we're, we're getting back to normal, but COVID really brought out some of the weirdos down, <laughs> down on the strip. So yeah, I bet, man. Uh, I the, bet. We had about a six-month period where the the clientele down at the casinos was 
was not uh, what I'll say a normal clientele, but we're getting back to normal now, you know. Yeah. The, um, the Knights are playing tonight, so uh, we Good. we turned into a hockey town real quick. Uh, Good. Yeah. So. I bet it's kind of nice to be around some some ice and some cooler some cooler atmospheres as opposed to that hot right now. Yeah, it's getting hot. So t- uh, this week hasn't been bad, but um, starting Saturday, we've got like a 10 day forecast of 113 plus. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, remember it's that, uh, I remember that growing up in Arizona and I think it's, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> my birth, my birth mom lives down in Gilbert. So when, when we get down there to visit, it's, it's, it's hotter there than it is here. So, so Gilbert area, if you're familiar with that, I, I grew up in Coolidge. So it's right in between like Phoenix and Tucson. It's a little, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's that's where I, that's my hometown that's where that's yeah where so i'm a, i'm adopted and um a couple years ago uh i'll make this story short but a couple years ago i i ended up in my early 40s getting linked up with my birth mom and uh by accident complete accident and oh, wow. uh yeah so you talk about emotional intelligence i went through a two-week period where i mean because i mean and this could be a whole different podcast episode but I was so upside down in emotions. My wife how just could you, how could you not be? Bro? Oh, my, my wife was sitting there going, Hey bro, your emotions are having emotions. <laughs> like yeah. I, 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 I was up and then I was down and then yeah. I was angry, then I was kind of happy, and then yeah. you know, it's just crazy. And and yeah. funny thing is she if you ask my birth mom anything, you know, hey, well, what do you want to eat tonight? It's always tacos. <laughs> she is other than you, I think, is she is the biggest taco fan I've ever known. So, uh, it's funny. She'll she'll appreciate me saying that. But uh, it's good soul food right there, man. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on, man. I I hope our listeners have have learned something. Um, I know that you'll you'll interact with them when we'll put all your stuff in the show notes. I know that you'll respond, and and if somebody needs some help, you'll be there for them. Um, well, listeners, get out there and uh, check out his podcast. His podcast is a little bit shorter. You know, we shoot, we're already going on 90 minutes for this episode, but yeah. um, you know, he, he, he has some good uh, ideas for the day things, you know, it's, it's a really good listen. Um, and he doesn't ramble on like I do. So, um, you know, if it wasn't for me, our podcast would be you know, <laughs> 20 minutes long. No, that's a good stuff. Sometimes it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, pack in a bunch of stuff. I, I kind of purposely wanted to keep mine short and sweet, but mine are kind of like by myself. So it makes it a little bit easier. I don't quite have that guest uh, capacity yet. But yeah, I, I talk about everything from what like veterans, uh, mental stuff, uh, awareness, mindset, you know, faith, um, a lot of stuff that I've been, it's all just stuff that I've been through that I know that other people can relate to. So it's, it's there. If anybody's got any questions, comments, concerns, or want to reach out, um, they need help with something. If I can't find an answer, I'll find someone that can. Awesome. Well, I think that's a perfect place to end. I just want to say uh, it, it's been an awesome, awesome, awesome episode. It was a pleasure meeting you. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, it's awesome beyond words. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. And likewise, if there's anything we can do for you, our door's always open to you. Um, thank you thank you guys very you know much. we're we're it. we're here for you just the same um and you know to our listeners too you know we're always out there please let us know if we can uh, be of any assistance to anybody um but uh, on that note i'm going to sign off for the night because i know i want to be respectful of uh mike's time but uh for ben this is brian signing off for the uh, nothing to podcast hope everyone had a good night and we will uh talk to you soon bye everybody take care